Greetings Mead Sachs, it is I, your friend the internet. It has been a minute how have you been? I have been, fine. I just wanted to stop in and remind you that the podcast you are about to listen to, Checks Notes, Discologist, is part of the Osiris Podcast Network. Osiris helps create deeper connections for music fans, by creating and curating music and culture podcasts and experiences. To check out all of their great shows like Dead to Me, Broke Down Pod, and more, use me to connect with OsirisPod.com. P.S. I see by your search history that you love hacky sacks and something called Ultimate Frisbee so I guess I should also remind you that Osiris works in partnership with Jambase, which connects music fans with the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. Go to Jambase.com to find out more. Now. Here is your podcast. Enjoy it while you can. Ha. 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 Okay. It happens here. And it finishes here. Two men enter. One man. Merely a two-word review. Just a shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the last man. That right there is a lot of Welcome back to All Music Lovers. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Discologist. I'm your host, Kevin. As usual, we are so happy to have you back here, hanging out with us in a tiny shack just outside Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, there's been a lot of talk this year about how indie rock bands are becoming jam bands, and to be clear, they are not. The real story is the people on both sides of this weird imaginary genre line that we define ourselves by are peering across that and seeing that there's a great big world out there and more importantly there's a lot of commonalities not just in the different kinds of music uh, but that we hear but the people who define themselves by said music you know your, your best friend may be a hip-hop head but you only listen to uh, you only listen to noise metal, and but there, there's there's so much in common there across the board. Uh, we're still in the early phases of this little march toward an enlightened age, but we're lucky that in the meantime there are bands that are kind of bridging the gap and creating music that celebrates the before now secret love of a groovier sound. Enter 111 Heavy. If your favorite band is Grizzly Bear, but you think to yourself, I kind of want that Allman Brothers song Blue Sky to be on, then they're here for you. If you don't know who James Toth of Wooden Wand is, that's okay. This is about the music man. I love a song called Dixie Chicken, but can't find it on alt-rock radio. 111 Heavy and, I mean, to be fair, Little Feet are, are waiting for you there uh, on this album and out in the universe. And what I'm trying to say is that the entire history of music lies at your fingertips, and now more than at any point in history is the time to explore to get outside your musical comfort zone and to understand that you literally can enjoy it all. And honestly, uh, here at Discologist, we kind of think that that's what makes you uh, not just a better person, but a more complete person. So that's what we're going to be doing today, uh, a little bit outside our, our usual. We're going to be talking about 111 Heavy's new album, Desire Path, with our friend Jonathan Hart, Broke Down Pod. It grooves, it jams, it's slippery, it's... Uh, such a good album so to get you in the mood for this if you're ready if this is what you're in for i uh, hope you are uh here's a little bit of hot potato soup off of 111 heavy's desire path
little bit of hot potato soup off of 111 Heavy's brand new album, Desire Path. Joining me now is Mr. Jonathan Hart, because you are a fanboy, Jonathan, of this band. <laughs> I don't know if I want to wear that shirt, but I'll wear a 111 Heavy shirt. These guys you're are wearing, great. You're wearing a 111 Heavy shirt, uh, hat. Looks like branded glasses there. None of, our, our listeners can't see this, but man... Uh, no, you, you this this is one of your favorite bands, correct? Yeah, I really like them. Uh, but I have to I have to break the illusion. I'm actually wearing a John Andrews in the Yawns shirt. So shout okay. out to John. Um, yeah, they're great. Uh, their first record kind of came out uh, when it came out about a year ago, and and it really lit me up. Obviously, I'd been a fan of uh, James Toth, aka Wooden Wand, for a little while. He is yeah. one of our great songwriters of our era actually and you know not uh not recognized as widely as he deserves i think is is he from down around your area now did uh, i did he, he like around richmond they were living in richmond for a time okay. i do not believe he's from richmond right. uh, but they were here and this album and the last one were recorded in richmond yeah interestingly enough uh, probably not by coincidence but <laughs> <laughs> There's also members of Royal Trucks in here, uh, Solar Motel Band, which is a favorite of uh, Eduardo. I don't, but uh, yeah, this is, uh, for all intents and purposes, kind of a super group, right? I mean, a little bit, yeah. And Nick uh, Mitchell Miato, I'm going to say that wrong. I always say that wrong. His other band ha- is such a mouthful. Uh, Desmadrados, Del Sodados. I think there's a word missing. <laughs> it's uh, Desmadrados, Sodados de Ventura. That's it. Um, I have a really heavy boxed set from them that is just amazing, oh, wow. amazing guitar rock. Um, so find them on the Bandcamp. But yeah, bringing these guys together into a dual guitar, uh, multi-headed beast is is terrific. And I think that the last record, while it was it was good, it was loaded with songs and some good guitar interplay. I think mm-hmm. they've really advanced the agenda here with this one. Yeah, it's it's a lot it's a lot tighter uh, than I was saying. Like, uh, and I came to this band literally at your recommendation. I had no idea who they were, and you were like, "Hey, you know, who, who have you heard this band?" And I was like, "Oh no, let me check it out." Uh, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they do get sort of lumped in with the sort of East Coast psych movement. So they're talking about like Chris Forsyth, talking about Garcia Peoples, uh, all that, all yeah, that stuff. I mean, and they, you know, they share shows with them, and you know, they'll they'll play at uh, Forsyth's place in Philly. Uh, they'll share bills with bands like Garcia Peoples or Elkhorn or whomever, all of whom you know keep turning up on my show, which uh, you know, <laughs> people should come check that out too. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think it's rightfully so. It's got more chugal than some of those other groups too, mm-hmm. um, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, it's great songwriting, which you know uh, Chris Forsyth is not writing a lot of lyrics he's, he's you know a guitar yeah. guy yeah. but these guys have guitars and lyrics and good keyboards uh, Hans Chu on the keys and on this one he plays the drums because Ryan Jewell who played on the first record was not available for the sessions oh okay so, so they're, they're multi-instrumentals they can just switch yeah. it up yeah it has this um, and this is this what I'm gonna say is a shout out to the olds listening uh, it has a very college rock feel. Sure. You know, that's it, a term that we used back in the day, kids, uh, college rock. And um, and one of the things that I really like about these guys is that, uh, and please, l- listeners, don't take this the wrong way. This isn't necessarily like an important album. It's it's literally a record of them, right? Like You hear this and you're going to want to see them live. 
is is what it gets down to. Yeah, it's a it's a shot. This is this is what they could do condensed into forty some minutes. But right, you know, they stretch some of these songs out. We heard Hot Potato Soup at the mm-hmm. top of the thing, and that song has and their last little tour stretched out to be a bit longer. But they're not doing twenty minute jams yet. Maybe next time. But they are. Um, they do have. I, I think jam band leanings, and I think that's well captured in the last track on this album. Yeah. Uh, Three poisons. I, this this sounds to me like it could have been on a you know could have been a jam band I listened to in the nineties. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure the- which one. But it just the well, guitar lick in that. Let's, play it let's for come. Him. You gotta play it for yeah, him. yeah. Let's play a little bit of it, and we'll come back and talk about that. The jam bands in the nineties. That's tasty. <laughs> I think yeah. it's the, the the professional the what they say in the biz. That's tasty, and and this album is like kind of full of tasty jams. You know, you mentioned the '90s jam bands. There was a thing called Horde that launched bands like uh, Spin Doctors into the stratosphere. Uh, Fish even took part of that. Blues Traveler, Widespread Panic. Well, that's what I was getting to. The band that <laughs> this, these guys remind me most of is Widespread Panic, and. It's weird because I, as a as a panic sort of fan in quotes, I don't really abide anything post Michael Hauser, which now is like way it's like four times the the length of their career, right? Yeah, it's a long time him. ago now. Yeah, it's a real long time ago. But they were doing like this interesting uh, Southern fried, you know, think like Little Feet stuff, a little more blues oriented, and got lumped in with bands like Fish, who were not doing that. Uh, and all of this was a part of. Uh, or as a result of Jerry Garcia dying, that that basically the spotlight shined. People needed a place to go. Well, there was a, a certainly a void created for people uh, interested in a certain kind of music. But I mean, Horde began well before that. It began in you know a couple of years before Jerry passed, and these bands were built working hard. They were road right. dogs building uh, quite a scene. And I yeah, I do. I think the widespread panic connection is not. Um, I, I wonder if the, how how much the artists would despise the notion. I know they're deadheads. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, we talked about Nick and, uh, and and James talked about that on my show. But um, I think th- this reminds me of Panic in the way that Panic reminds me of the Allman Brothers. There's yes. a thread between yeah. the three bands, or like particularly like tracks like this one, uh, that is. Uh, very good thread. It's the gilded thread through the the fabric that you know doesn't always maybe isn't always as fancy, but this is the good stuff right here. Yeah, and and I don't, you know, I I know they both love the dead and, and people in Spain love the dead. 
uh, when I hear this, I don't think about the dead. I, no. I think I think about these other bands, and I know, um, and this is something we're seeing uh, in a lot of bands or a lot of music these days is as the whole uh, indie rock is is turning into jam bands thing, and the place people always go to is the Grateful Dead. And I, I think more than anything, it's doing 111 heavy disservice because, uh, you know, you, you mentioned the, ha- the Almond Brothers. Like, the licks and chicken shit, are just, that's just Almond Brothers, dude. whole different beast than the dead like they were uh taking they they were mutating the blues in ways that i think nobody really understood or still understand when you hear a single lick from an almond brothers song now from a jam and you know it's the almond brothers and there's very few people that sound like that except these guys seem to be like channeling a lot of that energy yeah they get close to it i will say that you know at the height of their uh early Early era improvisatory powers. Both bands were playing mo- variations on Mountain Song, or first there was yeah. a mountain. So that's a weird uh, layout. But um, but yeah, yeah, they definitely go all that all that way. But again, the songs are really strong to boot. The lyrics are really good. Uh, the the latest single, if you will, Mardi Gras, is mm-hmm. uh, a James Toth number, and it is a rocking little number. Um, and then we have. Uh, Hans Chu, the keyboard player, he actually takes on a couple, writes a couple songs on this record. Yep. And he's got a great, great style, interesting vocal style that works well for me. And one of his songs on here is, I think, one of your favorites, uh, House of Cards. Yeah, yeah, it is. And that, that song is, um, so, let's, let's hear it. And, and, and you decide. Here's a little bit of House of Cards. She sits up high on the hill. She's real Just like a jack to his chill You're drawn up to the windowsill This kind of house ain't a home Make one false move and she's gone Like someone rang the alarm And left you standing alone Trying to slip your hand You can totally see Dr. Teeth thinking that. I mean, that, that is, <laughs> that's, that's sleazy, man. Um, and, and it is something that in hearing this, I wouldn't have expected. A lot, a lot of times when stuff, you know, we keep going back to the jam band label, um, and I don't necessarily know that these guys are a jam band, but a lot of stuff that people say about jam man sometime is that uh criticism that they don't have a lot of soul necessarily some do some don't but but it's more like technical it's like it's like uh, math metal you know but <laughs> but this is is sleazy this has got a crotch to it 
<laughs> and and it's it, what is also wild to me about this is it's um it you remember how in the early days of rock and roll like England interpreted the blues and stuff. This is kind of that going on. Yeah, yeah. So well, they're 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 taking the long way around to get to New Orleans. On this. Uh, it's a little like uh, Mac Rebenack or Alan Toussaint yeah. without the accent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they really get they really get there, and I really like this. I like the the harmonics on this song. It sounds the the compositional structure remind makes me. Mm. It it immediately told me that it was written by the piano player. If that makes yeah. any sense, no, it does. The guitar players typically, and you know, they all break out of this from time to you know, with practice or not even practice, just you know, they all break out of this probably as a good goal to do so. But you know, guitar players write songs and with a different kind of uh, uh, harmonic brain than piano players because they're looking at the the chromatic keyboard. I don't know. Yeah, it and, and, I don't know if that makes any sense. No, maybe. It, it does. And to clarify, I think what you're saying is like, so, you know, on a piano, you have everything laid out in front of you. Right. Right. And it's very concrete. It's not, uh, you know, if you know where the third C is and you know where the fifth is up from that and stuff, you do know with that on a guitar, but it, it is a lot more flexible and it's a lot more uh, sort of abstract. You're perceiving it from a very different angle. Yes, yeah. I mean, literally, you're from a different <laughs> angle, um, but but yeah, and it's and and you can also get a lot of, you can cover up compositional weaknesses with cool sounds. Step on your phaser, and it doesn't matter what fucking note you play, dude. But, <laughs> I but gotta get like, one of those. Yeah, but like a piano, that's it's the note. Everything has to be there. Everything has to be built like a brick shit house, and. Uh, and yeah, that's that's evident on this and a lot of songs that, you know. And if there is one criticism of this album, I have it does because it is just a record. It does feel like these are built so tight that that I I, I kind of want a little a little more looseness to it. But that's going to come out live, right? Yeah, and folks can find uh, at least one live tape from this most recent tour if they go to NYC Taper. Yeah, uh, they can they can and should check that out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they because they they shake things a little bit loose, they stretch things a little bit out, and it's it's fun. I'm sorry I didn't get to catch them on this tour. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know you were sad about that, and then uh, I was worried you're gonna kill me because I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> They're playing down the street, and I was like, nah, you know what? I'm gonna sit and eat a cheese curd. Um, you know, so with all these bands like this, uh, do you see a sea change in in where? Um, how accepted this type of music is going to be in like the modern or the, or the more popular sphere of music consume, music consumers. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I still don't quite understand what type of music this is. It's not exact. It's not jam band music. It's, it's right. what it is, is it's good songs played well. And mm-hmm. so I think there's always a life for this kind of music. Um, I think that, you know, the smart bands, recognize or will recognize that if you want people to keep coming to see you, you need to keep giving them something. And it's not all about lighting cues. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You need to, you know, you need to be playing something and putting something out on the stage that they're not hearing on the record and they didn't hear the last time you saw them. So smart bands do this. uh, And this is something, another point that makes them not a jam band is that this is a really good record. 
and jam yeah. bands historically <laughs> with many exceptions uh, yeah. don't typically make good records they make passable records that are yeah. like a you know and it, this is this is the kind of thing we do except smaller and not as energetic um but this is not that these guys really put it into the record and it, it's a lot of yeah fun. yeah and like to, to that point i think that is a, a thing um you know the grateful dead famously had issues with how people perceive them i mean we just talked about undead to me uh europe 72 and Skullfuck, um as basically they come off the biggest albums of the career which were great albums and then they're like they were still sort of why don't people get us right <laughs> and, and on that uh spoiler i said and it's the difference of on those live albums uh like europe 72 was a bunch of unreleased stuff that was new to the canon they were great songs like they they weren't throwaways they weren't and and like like harry hood for fish for example is a is a great song but it doesn't it's not going to fit on any album and they just sort of felt like they had to fit it on a live one or put it on on there and i think that's the uh approach that a lot of jam bands take to albums is that they can just put all this stuff out and people will follow along and then occasionally make an album and at that point they're they're doing it backwards basically well you know the the current shape of the industry doesn't really help either because no people don't make a lot of money on records uh, yeah, on albums yeah. although you know some people like myself i buy the the records yes so i have mine yeah you have it right, right there here. Yeah. actually it's it's just the jacket the records on the turntable but <laughs> um <laughs> yeah they uh there's there's not a lot of money in it so you know i know i have friends in jam bands and they they put out albums but it's it's all digital stuff so there's not a lot of overhead other than the studio time and even that they they don't do a lot of they don't spend a lot of energy in that they just focus on making their live show better and yeah. practice and play and play and play yeah it's a new and it's a new kind of uh renaissance for that whether you're talking about jam bands or just bands that are just fucking good um that i mean that's what we all as music fans want to see man right that's what it's about you you go see a band and, and they they're they're just great it, yeah. And it doesn't matter what kind of music if you, you want to go to. You go to a club or a bar, right? A, arena, and you want to see somebody slay on the stage. You want to see guitars throttled, and you want to hear sounds that make your hair stand up. And these guys can do it. Um, I hope they come back in the spring and do it again. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And I, and I hope people like really support them. I know like. You know, bands. This also reminds me of of a band that you've been talking about a little recently, Megaphone. You would see them, and they were one thing. And this is they crafted albums that were just very solid um, because they were concerned about doing that, but also knew that that it get out in front of people. Man, you got to be good, and you can't just you can't just it can't be smoke and mirrors. And they people really were now, but you know, they didn't uh, get the crowds clinging to them the way they I think they deserved. Yeah. Uh, so the rooms didn't grow, and the probably the paychecks didn't grow. And uh, no, <laughs> but you know they're still out. They're all doing great things now. So uh, yeah, much it resulted in a whole different. Like we wouldn't have Phil Cook solo stuff right. if not for that. You know, I I think there's a a real hunger for this now, um, and it is going to depend on people. Like I know the New York scene is super supportive. Uh, the Milwaukee scene here is is super. Chris Forsyth played at a record store here. 
Like that was the show. It wasn't an in-store, wow. in-store appearance. It was that was the show, and people came out, and it was it was amazing. And and the more people go to that, right now it's this guitar focused stuff, right? But I think other artists are going to see that there's now opening up place for smaller projects. You're just in a good band. It doesn't matter what genre, and people support them more and more and more. And and maybe on the cusp of a really great explosion of some just really hyper-talented musicians uh, finding out how to make a living. Yeah, well, one hopes. And, you know, here we have just a great example of guitar-focused and great songs yeah. all in one package. Desire Path from 111. Yeah. But how much of it's use and how much of it's rust All I know that it's all too much, too much One Eleven Heavy's Desire Path is available everywhere you can buy fine records. I would recommend go out and get that. It's a great little thing. I, uh, to my shame, as we mentioned there, I missed them when they played here in Milwaukee. I will not make that mistake again, and you should not make that mistake. They uh, they don't tour too often, but uh, I don't know. You buy enough of these records, maybe they'll tour a lot more. That's how that works, guys. Thanks to Jonathan for hanging out. Uh, that's it for this episode of Scholars. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to us in iTunes. Leave us a rating or a message there. Listen to us on Google Play, Mixcloud, Stitcher, and Spotify. Always, all our episodes are up at ChunkyGlasses.com. That's what we are on the socials, at ChunkyGlasses. Uh, also, at OsirisPod.com, you can find all our episodes, along with all the other episodes of all the other great shows on that network. Coming up in the next week or so, as we race to the end of the year, it's really, man, it's really that time, um, we're going to be talking about Chris Isaac. Because uh, Wes wanted to. <laughs> That's really just how that works. And and we're going to be talking about the the wildly misunderstood clipping album. Uh, there existed a, a an addiction to blood. Now I, I'm just gonna I'll look at our Twitter. I'll post the Pitchfork review again. I rarely have seen something that off base, and that sort of. It ties into what we were just talking about here about about getting outside your comfort zone and understanding that music doesn't have to be one thing. And uh, with that, we are out of here. Talk to you in a few short days. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. See ya. Oh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>